From San Diego, California, this is a One Extraordinary Marriage show. We're being busy is overdone, romancing is fun, and scheduling sex is taking the guesswork out of wondering when you're going to get some. I'm Tony DeLorenzo, your co-host, along with my beautiful wife, Elisa. From coast to coast and around the world, thank you for joining us. It's time to talk sex, love, and commitment. Give us a call or text us on the Hug Hotline at 858-876-5663, or send us an email to hugs at oneextraordinarymarriage.com. In today's show, we're talking about how the two of you can actively rebuild the broken trust in your marriage using the six pillars of intimacy. And there's a quote that says, trust is earned when actions meet words. And as we dig into today's show, that's what we're really focusing on, that it's not just the words that you say to rebuild trust, but it's the actions that go along with those words. That's right. Because that's where, it's literally where the rubber meets the road when it comes to rebuilding trust. But first, we start every One Extraordinary Marriage show with a hug. And, you know, a hug is really an opportunity for us to to reach out to all of you and say, job well done. Look mm-hmm. at what you're doing in your marriage. Look at what you're capable of doing in your marriage. And this hug comes from an email we received that started with, my husband and I just celebrated our 39th wedding anniversary. Congratulations. Absolutely. The night of our anniversary, after a wonderful dinner and time together, we got home and something that has been happening frequently the last several years happened again. I became distant and disconnected. The issue has been a huge gap in our emotional connection. Frustrating enough in itself, but super discouraging that my husband has had no idea there's a problem and actually gets angry when I try to talk to him about it. So there was once again a major rupture and the night was spoiled. Mm. Two days later, after a lot of silence, but lots of prayer on both sides, we were able to come together and sort through a lot. He finally acknowledged my needs that I've tried to communicate to him. We made up. And I had an idea from your 60 days of sex story. So I told him I would have an anniversary redo surprise that evening. I decided to offer him the gift of 39 days of sex for our 39 years of marriage together. Mm. I wanted to have some way to track the day. So I put little clothespins in a cute little satin bag and hung twine across our bathroom mirror. Then I thought of an idea that we could hang notes as well to offer daily appreciation for each other. We're on day 21 today and it's gone amazingly well. We haven't missed a day. Wow. We're both 63 years old, and I have to say, my husband has still got it. (laughs) Understanding the six pillars of intimacy is helping to give us a framework to be able to tackle some of the issues in our marriage we've neglected. I'm encouraged and hopeful moving forward as we continue to learn and grow together. Man. You know, I read these, or you read these, and, and I listen to them, and I go... I pray that that's us in 39 years, at 39 years. I mean, we're at 25, we're headed on 26, but I go, wow, Uh you know, that's 13 years, 14 years for us. Yeah. And I go, wow, that's amazing. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah, just just that And I think I'll be about the same age. Um... That's 62. It's too, I think early. 62. it's too early in the day for me to 60, do that 60, much math. Yeah, it'd be 63. Okay, but I, I, just, I just look at this and I just go, wow. And maybe for those of you who are, you know, younger in years married or even older. I mean, it's just sort of like what a way to, to step out and mm-hmm. take the six pillars and, and use them in your marriage. Oh, and I just love the idea that the sex challenge got wrapped around to like how many years they'd been married. I was like, Oh yeah, that's a different way to up the ante every year. Creative. Absolutely. And you know, as we transition into today's show and it really kind of piggybacks even off of, you know, what was happening with this couple, you know, as she presented the idea for this 39 days of sex for their 39 years there there's a need for trust to be there yep right that that 
it's going to be something that they're both going to participate in and whatnot. And, and there've been a lot of conversations lately. I mean, you guys know I'm a marriage coach. So I sit across from a lot of couples where trust has been broken. In fact, I would say in almost every case. Some, some way, shape or form, trust has been broken, either little or big, right? Absolutely. I, I mean, the, the, the lies. And, and when I say little, I'm not saying lying is, is great, but I'm just saying there are those white lies that happen mm-hmm. or those those smaller incidences that we don't really think about that are breaking trust to infidelity. Or financial secrets or, yeah, I mean, infidelity is the one that most people go to, but not that's not always the big breach of trust. Um, but, you know, this, the reality is, is that trust get, does get broken in a marriage. And there are a lot of big emotions mm-hmm. when that happens. And I just want to define trust at the start of the show so that we are all on the same page. Right. And trust is the firm belief in the reliability, truth, ability or strength of someone or something. So either your spouse or your marriage. And so when the trust is broken, you don't have that firm belief. You don't have that, mm. that security, the reliability, the, the truth or the strength in your spouse or your marriage. And that can rock you to your core. Like Tony said, sometimes it's, it's that big breach where it's like, oh, I just found out about infidelity and I'm like, wow, my, he- like my world literally feels upside down. Another one I think we hear a lot about from both, from both spouses, pornography use. Mm-hmm. I think that's, that's another big one where while the trust has been broken with the individual as well as within the marriage. Absolutely. And, you know, it's not just those that we think of in the terms of the big things. It's, you know, there are smaller ones, mm-hmm. right? And we say smaller because, and Tony even alluded to this, every human being's got their own scale on what's big and what's small when it comes to trust breaches, mm-hmm. right? And as a society, we kind of have a, a similar scale, but you know, some of these other ones that we're going to share, and we actually described a, a number of these in our book, The Trust Factor. Um, other ways that trust can be broken, not telling the truth, right? Mm-hmm. It could be those little lies like, oh, I, I'm, I'm just running late, but I'm really, you know, I'm still at work. Um, not huge in the big scheme of things, but if your spouse is expecting you home or you have the big lies, um, some of the big ones, physical affairs, emotional affairs, financial infidelity, confiding in friends or family or other people about your spouse or your marriage, having your priority. Would that be confiding in friends, family, and others uh, in a in a negative connotation? Well, it can, it can even be positive. Some people, like privacy is a really big deal in marriage. Gotcha. And so for some couples, it doesn't matter if it's good stuff or bad stuff. Some spouses don't want their spouse talking about the marriage to other people. And so you have to know where your spouse's line is, where they don't feel, I mean, Generally, the good stuff is okay, but that security, that sense of, oh, okay, I know, like I can trust that this is just going to stay between us or if we're Mm. working through stuff and we haven't gotten to the other side of it yet, I don't necessarily need you talking to other people about it until we've had our breakthrough. Okay. You know, that kind of thing. Um, Other ways that trust is broken, being an absentee parent, right? You know, your spouse expects you to be a partner and you're not. And that's an erosion of trust. Choosing not to engage in your marriage. You know, where your eyeballs are often somewhere else, whether it's on your phone or your computer or your work. Mm-hmm. Um, another way that trust is broken is reconnecting with your exes, right? I literally was just listening to, you know, a story the other day about that very scenario. And what I want to say is don't, don't think that just because it's not a big thing, right? We can get so caught up in, oh, well, that would definitely break trust that you ignore the little things 
because it's often the little things done over and over that cause the deep erosion of trust. Yeah. And I just want to share with you guys, we want to get our book, The Trust Factor, How to Rebuild Trust in Your Marriage back or did I say that right? Gosh, how to rebuild trust in your marriage. I did have that you right. You did. I was like, you're just pausing. Yeah. Wasn't sure where you were pausing with that. Yeah. We, we want to get this in your hands and we have a way to do that. You can get the book for free. All we ask is that you pay for um, shipping and handling. Go to trustfreebook.com mm-hmm. and you can do that. So if trust has been broken in any way, get this book in your hands. We have seen so many marriages transformed because of just going through it. And it's, it's like all of our books. It's simple. We, we, we write our books for the purpose to be read and used quickly. Mm-hmm. We, we don't put a bunch of theory and all this stuff in it. For those of you who've read The Six Pillars of Intimacy, you know that because we want you to be intentional. We want you to take action. So get The Trust Factor. You can get it at trustfreebook.com and I'll also have a link here in the episode notes. Fantastic. You know, one thing that often strikes me again as we talk about you know, where trust has been broken. And I am going to talk about some of the bigger ones in this show specifically, just because oftentimes that's where people's brain goes. And one thing that we need to address just here at the beginning is the fact that, that like, if somebody makes the decision to break trust, whether it's, you know, viewing pornography, whether it's having an affair, whatever that looks like, ultimately, that is that person's choice. Like, let me be Mm -hmm. real clear. No one makes you have an affair. No, your spouse does not make you look at pornography. Let me just lay that groundwork. Yes. You have to take responsibility for you and your actions. Right. You know, your spouse doesn't make you drink, you choose to drink all of these things. But what I've noticed and what I've been able to observe over the last, you know, 12, well, 10 years of coaching, 12 years of doing the show, 25 years of being married to Tony is that there's always a dynamic that between the two people that can create an environment where that might be the choice. Okay. So I'm not blaming a spouse. I'm saying the relationship dynamic can open the door to those choices being considered. And and let me just give you an example, right? You know, so let's say somebody decides to have an affair. Choosing to have the affair, that is that person's choice. They've done that. Because no one wakes up one day and says, wow, you know what? Hey, it's Thursday. This would be a great day to go cheat on my spouse. Like I've worked with over 400 people. No one has ever said that to me, right? It, It actually comes about more often than not, whether it's looking at the pornography, choosing to drink, all of these kind of things, that there have been months or maybe years where there haven't been conversations between a couple. What I thought about when you said that was the erosion of the marriage, the erosion of the commitment we have for one another. And and it was really interesting because I just saw this image of a shore. Mm. Like, and we have the ability here, you and I living in San Diego and going walking on Torrey Pines, we get to see that erosion happen on our beaches, mm-hmm. right? We get to we get to see the sand get pulled out and get put back in. We get to see the erosion of our cliffs. And, and that's what really hit me when you, when you were talking about, you know, nobody just wakes up one day and just goes, hey, I'm going to go cheat on my wife. I'm going to go have an affair. It's this, uh, this erosion that is happening and... We don't see it though in our marriage. Mm-hmm. Physically, I can see it on the shoreline, but I don't see it here in my marriage until it may be too late. Right. Because maybe you guys haven't really had a conversation in years, decades. That's happened. 
happened. We, we've got those emails, you guys. Or, or maybe it's been this continuous rejection when it comes to sexual intimacy. No, I don't want to have sex with you. No, I'm not interested in having sex. No, you know, you did this and I'm not going to have sex with you. And so there's this constant rejection that has someone doubting if they're even worthy. Mm-hmm. Right. Or, you know, you two have drifted so far apart that somebody doesn't feel important or valued. And I will tell you that all of those scenarios make it super easy for trust to get broken, mm. for the door to be opened to making poor choices. Because when you are rejected, when there's no emotional connection, when you don't know if your spouse cares about you or loves you, all of those little hurts lead up to big ones. And again, I'm not justifying, I sit across from a lot of people who have had affairs. I do not justify the affair. That is a symptom always of what's going on in the, in the marriage. It, it's a symptom of the relational dynamic. And we actually have to go into this place of saying, wait a minute, how do we rebuild? How do we get into this place of actively rebuilding the trust when two people want to stay married to one another and don't know how? Right. How do they put a framework over what has had a lot of cracks in it, a lot of shambles? And we go, okay, well, we need to actually reinforce Mm -hmm. this marriage house. We need to put a framework around that. And and that's why, you know, Tony, when he opened the show, we talked about the fact he made the statement that we're going to be talking about how to actively rebuild trust using the six pillars. And the reality is, is that I, I have seen this happen time and time again. You know, you start with the emotional intimacy. Most of the time when trust gets broken, again, little lies, big lies, pornography, uh, alcohol addiction, all of these things, there has been a lack of conversation. There's been a lack of emotional intimacy. And I'm not saying that you haven't screamed at your spouse. I'm not saying you haven't said there's a problem. But that deep emotional intimacy where the two of you can actually hear and understand, where are the pains? And, And this really like gets to the place where you have to start with, what am I feeling? Mm. Right? You may have to journal this before you even try and get into a conversation with your spouse. You may need to sit down with a pen and piece of paper and go, what am I really feeling? Because if you don't know what you're feeling, it will just come out as one of the base emotions and it will look like anger. It will look like fear or it will look like sadness. But I will tell you that behind every one of those are things like insecurity, inadequacy, embarrassment, but you got to know where you're coming from in order to be able to communicate that to your spouse. And for those of you who are like, hey, that's not me, Tony and Elisa. I got to say, I get it. I mean, I, I think for years I shoved my emotions aside mm. and stuffed them because I didn't want to look like I didn't understand who I was or I didn't want Elisa to think that I was weak or inadequate or anything of that nature. And it's through the process of finding out what those emotions are to be able to address them so that I could get the healing Mm. that we begin to bond. And so do know that if this isn't something that comes to you naturally, it doesn't mean that it can't. Mm -hmm. For some of you, that word feelings just tips you off. Use emotions. It's okay. Like use the words that you know, allow you to move forward. Don't let a word like feelings stop you from having your own breakthrough. Another part of this emotional intimacy is looking at what was your role in the dynamic and being able to communicate that to your spouse. What role did you play in this? And take ownership of it in those conversations. 
We always talk about physical intimacy after emotional intimacy. And I will tell you that when trust has been broken, big trust, little trust, it can be hard and awkward to want to touch your spouse. Yeah, there's this retraction that happens. You, 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 you're like, nope, I don't, I'm not going to physically engage with you through hugging, kissing, holding hands, cuddling. So just know that that's, that's natural. You, you, you sort of retract in because you're going, I need to protect mm-hmm. me. I need to protect this. And so if I reach out, I'm, I'm looking like I need you still, even though you've broken the trust. Mm-hmm. And so there's this dynamic again, that's, that's going on around your physical intimacy. So you need to ask what touches are okay. And you need to respect one another's space and know that, that sometimes touch might be welcome and other times it might not. And again, this gets back into why do we start with emotional intimacy? Cause you got to be able to talk about the other five, mm-hmm. right? And you ought to be able to have those conversations. Now we've touched on the first two intimacies and we're going to talk about how to actively rebuild the trust in the other four after this break. Stress, hormone changes, and lack of sleep can impact your skin, causing issues like dryness, dark spots, and acne. I know the closer I get to 50, the more aware I become of this. OneSkin, today's sponsor, offers a simple skincare routine to address these concerns at a cellular level. OneSkin has developed a proprietary peptide called OS1 that's scientifically validated to improve the health of your skin beneath the surface without irritation or a complicated multi-step routine. I use the OS1 face topical supplement on my face and neck, which often needs a little extra care with age. Additionally, the OS1 eye supplement helps keep the under eye area fresh, even on little sleep. One Skin is the world's first skin longevity company. By focusing on the cellular aspects of aging, One Skin keeps your skin looking and acting younger for longer. Get started today with 15% off using code OEM at oneskin.co. That's 15% off oneskin.co with code OEM. After you purchase, they'll ask you where you heard about them. Please support your show and tell them we sent you. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, What is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. We're back and we're talking about how to actively rebuild broken trust using the framework of the six pillars of intimacy. And we already discussed emotional and physical intimacy. So after that comes financial intimacy. And, you know, looking at the financial intimacy pillar, this really depends on how the trust was broken, Mm, right? Some of you, you know, it's been secret spending and you've got credit card bills that have suddenly just blossomed and you can't take care of them by yourselves. And so that may come down to, you know, both of you having all access to bank accounts and passwords, and you might not have any access to finances, depending on what the safety measures are that you put into place. For some of you, the financial intimacy may not be a factor in where the trust was broken, but it's an opportunity for the two of you to increase your trust by becoming that pillar that you can actually start off of. Like, look, we can lay things out. We can talk about our finances. We can, And so it becomes that actually a safe space because mm. numbers don't lie, right? And so you can work on a budget together. You can talk about, you know, your monthly spending. You can talk about planning for, you know, the kid's college and that type of thing. And it can feel like a very neutral conversation while you're working on processing all of your other emotions. Because financial intimacy is not always impacted in a breach of trust. Yeah. You look like you're questioning that. No, I'm just thinking through that and 
It, it doesn't. It, yeah, it doesn't necessarily have to be. I mean, there can be times where where it is and where it isn't. I, I think this is one of those mm-hmm. where you know one of the pillars, like you said, that could have mm-hmm. impact because that's where the trust has been broken. And other times, it's it's not. But Absolutely. it's but it's that that pillar that is strong in this moment where we can come together around it mm-hmm. and use the strength from this pillar to rebuild the other pillars and rebuild the trust in each of those. 100%. Uh, after financial intimacy, we talk about spiritual intimacy. And, you know, when there is, when there's a crisis, when there has been broken trust, people generally have one of two responses. They will go to a place where they feel spiritually dry. They will mm-hmm. question, you know, why God? And I will tell you that when we lost our son, when, when Tony, you know, years later sat in our kitchen and told me about, um, how he had been on business trips and, you know, t- flirting with other women and all this kind of stuff. I do remember sitting in my car right around the corner in, you know, from our driveway and really railing at God. I was, I was beyond upset. Mm-hmm. And I went to this place of why God, why would you do this to me? Why? Like, I'm just total transparency. That was the conversation, except it's cleaned up for the airwaves. Um, and that's where some people go. Other people will immediately fall into deeper connection, right? And, and it'll be in this place where they are like, oh my gosh, God, like you're going to be the only thing that's going to, and there's no right or wrong. Like, let me be real clear. Your journey is your journey. Yeah. And you could go back and forth in, in that area where you, you are, you're pressing in, you, you, you've stepped in and yet there could be also those times of questioning and, and, and the whys and the hows. And that's part of your spiritual journey through rebuilding trust. Well, and I've, I've had the privilege to walk si- alongside a number of couples specifically in the last like 12 to 18 months and watching them actively incorporate prayer Mm. as part of their healing process, praying for one another, Mm -hmm. praying for their marriage, praying out loud with one another for one another and for their marriage and seeing that, that deepening space of spiritual intimacy Mm -hmm. as a tool, you know, again, it's part of the framework to build their marriage stronger. And it's looking at that and saying, where are we? And, And what, you know, you never know what you're made of until the going gets tough Mm -hmm. and you'll never know what your faith looks like until you're pressed to actually have to address how strong is our faith. And that's what happens in a crisis. So what do you do after that recreational intimacy? And, you know, when you look at the, the six pillars, um, this is oftentimes, this is the one where, you know, people talk about having fun. It's the time we spend together, right? We talk about, you know, those, those activities, those adventures that the two of you have. And one and I say this pretty definitively, one of the reasons that so many couples find themselves in situations of broken trust is that they weren't spending time together, right? They drifted because, you know, maybe they got too busy with the kids' schedules. And so, you know, like I was talking to a couple the other day and it's this whole, they're in a season of divide and conquer. We got two kids playing sports at the same day, same time. Okay, mom's here, dad's here. And, you know, maybe we'll meet up for dinner and fall into bed. And, and that's the reality for a lot of couples, Right. And, and so they're not having fun together. They're not getting to spend time together. And so when you look at this place of being, of making the decision, the two of you are actively going to rebuild trust. Recreational intimacy can often be one of the first places that couples are like, okay, what can we do? And again, you'll notice the theme. I'm going to say, start small, mm. right? Don't, don't think about, we need, you know, a seven day vacation, just the two of us when we're not even sure we like each other right now. Think, let's just go grab a cup of coffee 
Let's go for a walk around the neighborhood. Let's sit and watch. I mean, we live in San Diego. You guys hear us talk about San Diego. We're literally like 12 minutes from the beach. Let's just go sit and watch the sunset half an hour. You can, if you can time it well, you're only talking like 30 minutes. And that's what I'm, that's my point here is that you can do things that are small, 20, 30 minutes to get back into that habit. And it is a habit of spending attentive, purposeful time together. And on the other side of that, I do have to say though, I think some of you need to just be like, we need to get, if you have kids, we need to get the kids somewhere and we need a three, four day getaway. Like we need that. And so don't, hinder yourself. And, and even with that, it doesn't mean you have to fly across the world or across the country. It means, you know, dropping the kids off to the parents for three days and getting to the local, the local lake or the mountains or, you know, a favorite place that you just want to go chill for mm-hmm. four days. You know what I mean? Turn off the phones, get away from it all. And, and just, and that, that shift in the environment allows you mm-hmm. to, to really step into your recreational intimacy because now you can be at places where you can have some just fun, bring some card games out with you, go for those walk and talks, do something else without everything else around you that mm-hmm. normally is, is, is on top of you or and distracting. so, or distracting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's the word. Thank you. Um, so either one of those, it just depends on who you guys are mm-hmm. and how you would ad- how you would address having fun again mm. in your marriage. Yeah. That's what recreational intimacy is about. How do we have fun? What are the dates we do? Mm-hmm. And finally, sexual intimacy. And, you know, I sit across from a lot of couples where trust has been broken in this particular pillar. Mm-hmm. Whether it's the discovery of pornography, erotica, whether it's, you know, a spouse has been unfaithful. And I will tell you, similarly to spiritual intimacy, there are two different responses, two very distinct responses that couples will have when they're making the decision that they're going to actively rebuild trust. Okay. The one response is we're going to hold off on sexual intimacy until all of these other things come into play. Okay. You know, like we need to work on our emotional intimacy. We need to like spend time. And then the other response is we're going to actually lead with sexual intimacy. Mm-hmm. And we're going to, I mean, one of the couples that I had the privilege to walk alongside um, when the affair was discovered, they, they, and it wasn't even a conscious decision at the beginning, but they actually started having sex every day. And I remember at one point in time we were having a coaching session. I think they were up to like 135 days in a row. Holy. And. Man. And that's not to say that there weren't tears along the way. That wasn't to say that there weren't a lot of emotions. But you, know, when you get into this place of rebuilding trust, we have to remember that there is a coin in every marriage. On one side of the coin is emotional intimacy, and on the other side of the coin is sexual intimacy. They are two sides of the same coin in terms of strengthening a marriage. The other four are really important, but there's a reason emotional and sexual are on the ends. Mm-hmm. Right? And it's looking at that and it's, you both need those, those, you both have a need to have those needs met. For some spouses, it's a stronger emotional need. That is not always the women. Let me be real clear. Conversely, one spouse needs to have their sexual needs met. That is not always the man. Okay. But it's looking at this and saying, where are we today? Where are you comfortable? Mm Mm-hmm what actions are open to us right now when it comes to our sexual intimacy? Like what, what are you willing to do? And where do we want it to get to? 
Do we want to be in this place where our sexual intimacy pillar becomes strong again? My prayer is that as with sexual intimacy, as with the other five, that the answer to that question, do we want this pillar to be strong is a yes. Mm -hmm. And you start looking and, and I know, I mean, guys, we just like 30 minutes is a hard time to go in depth into how you rebuild trust in every single pillar. Because if trust has been broken in your marriage, you're thinking, as you've been listening to the show, you're like, okay, I wonder if they're going to say this about what's happening in my marriage. Mm. And, and the reality is we can't address every single scenario in a single show. We give you the framework. But like Tony said, if you haven't read The Trust Factor, get your hands on that book, right? Go to trustfreebook.com. Get it. I can't tell you how many people have started reading that book or how many of my coaching clients, like at the minute I hear trust is broken, I'm like, read the book, read the book. So let's start there. Let's get everybody on the same playing field. And then if you need more help, my goodness, apply for coaching with me. See if it's the right fit for you. Because here's the thing. We don't want any marriage in the one family continuously stubbing their toes because they don't resource themselves. It's why we get behind the microphones every week. Mm-hmm. Please resource yourself. Please take action. Look at the pillar that you can take action on this week and do something in that pillar. Yeah. If, it, if this is your time, though, you, you've, trust has been broken and you're sitting there going, that's us and we need healing. Like Elisa said, apply for coaching with her. You can go to oneextraordinarymarriage.com slash coaching and you can get all the information there. Apply. There's no commitment for applying. And yet I will tell you, it's your first step to having the trust rebuilt in your marriage and healing to start happening. So you guys, if that's you, go do it. For those of you who are ready to just jump in on that book, go grab that book. You guys, trust can be rebuilt in your marriage. We have had trust broken in our own marriage many a times in the 25 years. The two of us being committed to our six pillars of intimacy, to looking at these pillars over the years, to rebuilding them, to strengthening them, has gotten us to the place we are today. And we know, because we've seen so many of you do it, that you can do it as well. So this week, go out there. Don't live under the shadow of the broken trust. Come out of the cave. Come out of the shadow. Get into the light. And let's rebuild the trust so you can have the extraordinary marriage you desire. You guys have yourselves a fantastic week and we'll catch you next week. Love you guys.